Hello and welcome to the Spidey Dude Radio Network. I'm Zach Joyner, owner of the website that powers the podcast and executive producer of the Spidey Dude Radio Network. It's my absolute pleasure to welcome you to the Spectacular Spider-Man Sima Era Podcast, a podcast all about Sal's run on the Spectacular Spider-Man. Before I turn it over to our host, Chris, I wanted to thank our patrons at patreon.com slash Network. They help sponsor the show. Greg, Vinkman, Scott, Kaylee, and Phoenician, thank you all for your support. And if you want to get some more info, check it out at that aforementioned website at patreon.com slash network to get more perks, like getting some shows early. And we'll have more coming very, very soon. They'll get some exclusives very soon. Stay tuned for that. Finally, before I go, I want to encourage you to check out our other fine programs, Spidey Dude Experience, ASM Classics, Make Mine Mayday, Bogan Rider Variety Hour, Clone Saga Chronicles, Spectacular Radio, and Voices from the Eerie, a Gargoyles podcast. Be sure to leave feedback on the respective feeds, give us a five-star review, and leave feedback at the email address at thatradiohorror at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to this exciting episode of the show, and now, here's Chris. another episode of the spectacular spider-man sal busima era podcast you're getting a double feature tonight we're doing spider-man now and without further ado the man of the evening chris how's it going what's up ceiling yeah bad joke going <laughs> true guilty i mean hi i'm i'm, I'm, I'm here <laughs> so uh who, who's uh who's taking reins here chris or drew i am he is Yes. Plot synopsis for the issue. This is the return of the Spectacular Spider-Man podcast because of the uh, we 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 had a big break after the clone, uh, ridiculously long clone episode, which we will never ever have to cover ever 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 again. <laughs> ever. Not covered the clone saga. Ever. But this is uh, Spectacular Spider-Man Volume One, Issue 150, which is mm-hmm. uh, finds the Joe Robinson guilty guilty writer guilty. of the issue is Jerry Conway. Pencils and inks by Sal, colorist Bob mm-hmm. Sharon, letterer Rick Parker, and editor Jim Scalrup. And it was published uh, May or March 1989, exact date. I don't think they actually have. Uh, right in the beginning of the issue, guilty is the verdict to Joe Robinson, who, uh, after a tumultuous uh, courtroom battle, his lawyer loses, unfortunately, and Joe is found guilty of obscuring evidence that could exonerate Tombstone. The judge is going to speed up sentencing and the following morning, despite the protest from Joe's lawyer. Mary Jane can't understand how Joe could have been found guilty. And Peter explains that 20 years older earlier, uh, the events of the last several issues prior to Inferno to catch us up and uninvolve the readers. 
uh, Katzenberg, who is a rival photographer for the Daily Bugle, gets his camera smashed after taking a picture of Joe leaving the courtroom. And Jonah lets it go because Katzenberg is taking all of the worst pictures of Spider-Man in order to frame him for any and all crimes. Why? You have to go over a web of Spider-Man read that J. Jonah Jameson has been uh, kidnapped and has been replaced by the Chameleon which is relevant to today's comic books because in about two weeks, the Chameleon has a big uh, event in the Spider-Man comic books. Uh, there's a cool cover of half Spider-Man's face and half the Chameleon's face. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Peter changes to Spider-Man and goes to see the Kingpin uh, who hired Tombstone, and Kingpin wants uh, information from the Arranger and calls him into his office. All the while, wants to send a message to the Kingpin. Spider-Man sends a message to the Kingpin that the wolves are coming for him after he thinks he sees a giant werewolf, but he couldn't possibly have seen one, even though he has fought werewolves before including Jameson's son. Um, Gloria wakes up and the Lobo brother is crashed out on her floor and he explains to her a long-winded story which is too complicated to explain and they can see they proceed to make love. Back at the courtroom, uh, sentencing is declared on Joe and he's given three years in prison and he goes to jail and he finds out that his uh, cellmate next door is in fact Tombstone himself. To be continued. Dun-dun-dun. So, honestly, rereading this story right now, it's really funny to think about considering everything that just went down between Tombstone and Joe Robinson over in Amazing Spider-Man as of what just ended with uh, Joe and Tombstone finding out that their uh, kids are dating each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's that. It is rather funny, but also the uh, the subplot of uh, Jonah allowing Katzenberg to be the scumbag that he is. Uh, is very funny, but we're left out of the part that um, Jonah is, in fact, uh, been kidnapped by the chameleon, which I don't know if has been revealed yet or not, but it's not revealed in this comic. It's actually revealed over a web of. Uh, yeah. And, it, you know, it, it's so funny, Chris, is that we've talked about how uh, Conway and Sal really kind of had horror moments throughout the the spectacular run that they've been doing. And I have to be honest with you, for, uh, singing um, The Wolf Man again, I, I had – it was funny because I feel like I had flashes of American Werewolf in London with the subway scene. That's what I, I saw. And it's for a second. It's so funny because I saw it. I was like, oh, my God, is that is that uh, John Jameson? Is that Manwolf? And it took me a second. I was like, no, that's not Manwolf. It, it, it's like, you know, we're, 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 that's, it's too early. But I just had that, that, that close claustrophobia of the subway scene and the chase and then the bodies. It, it, it definitely had that nice horror thing that I, I got to be honest with you. I like seeing in Spider-Man. Once in a while, because I feel like it balances out the kind of comic book goofiness of the character in a way. And and, and again, it, it's handled very well. It's not gimmicky or anything. It was just very serious and it worked. And I also have to say, I love this image of Spider-Man freezing his his uh, web shooters off oh, yeah. in the snow, because I have seen so many of his panels complaining how the suit was not made for the winter. And it's just like, it's just so funny when you just see him freezing his ass off. I was like, yep, should have should have made a spider coat. Now, it's also uh, worth pointing out that uh, a lot of people... Uh, 
are noticing Jonas, J. Jonah Jameson and Robbie Robertson are as thick as thieves. Like they stand by each other, mm -hmm. and Jonah is missing because he's, you know, unbeknownst to everybody, the kingpin. But Peter's spider sense tingles whenever he's near Jonah. Um, currently, Jonah does not work at the Daily Bugle anymore. He works for Fast Track or some news um, Instagram website thing run by a former employee of his, and he's outfitted mm -hmm. Spider-Man and a bunch of like cameras on his costume so everyone can follow Spider-Man around the city with everything that he's doing. <laughs> it's really mm -hmm. stupid. <laughs> but uh, he's actually denouncing the Daily Bugle every five minutes currently in the books. Um, when I mentioned earlier that Randy is currently dating Tombstone's daughter, at this point in the comics, Randy is married to this... Um, white girl who i don't really remember oh Ma amanda is her name which was a big a little bit of a controversy between uh joe and randy because he was marrying a white woman and they you know the complications that will bring to their marriage mm -hmm. eventually that kind of i guess they get divorced at some point i don't remember when it happens i do remember it did happen um that randy became a swinging bachelor once again you know, it's also funny because what you brought up, the whole like Peter's around Jonah and his spider sense is tingling. It reminded me of a similar moment that happened in Ultimate Spider-Man, like way down the line of Ultimate Spider-Man, where it was pretty much something similar. Like he, that Peter was around Jonah. Um, his spider sense is going off. He followed him. Uh, that fake Jonah or Fona, if you want to get a little nicknamey, realizes Peter knows. He beats him up, and then he steals his place. And I was just like, I was reading this. I was like, I was like, why am I getting deja vu? And like when you were describing now, especially that they're kind of doing that again because you know. Um, what better way to celebrate Spider-Man than than recycle the past, but with a different uh, team? I was just like, okay, we're we're doing this again. Uh, but I, I I it's I feel like again what I love about Conway is that he's he's laying out these plot points that are just so that again you know that are going to be picked up by other people. Like Robertson's going to jail. Why the hell isn't Jonah like at this little party that everyone's there for? And I was like, essentially, someone's gonna be like, yeah, um, what's going on there? Like. Right. Yeah. Uh, the plot line, the entire plot line with the Lowell brothers, uh, we will be picking that up in um, the next issue, but also tying in Web of Spider-Man number 51 as well, because that's where mm. the Lowell brothers kill the Arranger. And there's, you know, what's the funny thing is that you see them now and they're such a prominent part. Like they've been, they've been a part of this story since when we were covering Spider-Man versus Boomerang and the super lethal weapon, not pool party. No, no before that, during the oh, entire uh, oh, Tombstone, oh, oh. Tombstone right. storyline, Tombstone was supposed to kill the uh, the Lobo brothers. Okay, see, there you go. Even even further, I just I just remember them, and I'm like, it's still there. But again, like Conway and Sal are just weaving it so intricately because you know they sometimes with Marvel stories you get there's so many plot stories that some don't get more time than others and sometimes you wish the one that didn't get the time would and vice versa so but everything is moving at this great progression and i also feel like gloria grant is finally starting to realize that this lover boy of hers who just randomly just ends up out of bed with a with a with a gunshot or a knife wound and just like yeah babe I, this just kind of happens this you know never happened before for me i like i feel like she's finally starting to realize that this perfect love of hers is everything but and i'm like thank you god what's funny is that conway is also writing web of spider-man so that you know the the two stories are connected um so it's basically gonna go like 151 then issue 51 of web and then one 
152. And then I think issue 55 brings back the Lobo brothers for their final climactic battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, so we'll be covering Web of Spider-Man number 51. But uh, it's also drawn by Mark Bagley. This is uh, one of his yes, early so issues. Nice. The bags. Yep. Yes, the bags. But the next episode will be issue 151. Uh, anyway, uh, before we get there, the uh, two, uh, the uh, the way Sal draws the Kingpin versus how a lot of people draw the Kingpin. He's either drawn like Vincent D'Onofrio, where he's just like a chubby guy who's got a lot of muscle underneath the chub, or he's mm. just a grotesquely overweight fat man. It's like a Daddy Warbucks really let himself go. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it, it, it's so funny because... Uh, again, uh, because this is where my mind goes when I think of Spider-Man, which probably shows where my loyalties lie. Like when he, when Spider-Man calls Kingpin Fat Boy, that just reminded me of like how in Ultimate Spider-Man, he was always making jokes about that Kingpin's like size and shape and, and things. And it's just so funny because it really says a lot about Peter. You know, like this is someone he knows that is a, is a dangerous person that could have him killed if he knew his secret identity. But, and he tried to and missed and got out May. <laughs> exactly. So you, you just have that. And it's just like, like you got to give credit to Peter Parker. He may not have a lot of money or friends or constantly being thirsty with ladies in his life. But boy, he got some brass spider balls because she's just walking up to Diofrio and it's just like, you're fat. And I'm just like, God damn, that's some fighting words here in New York, buddy. Like, good, good for you. Um, also, can we just acknowledge that that yet the events of Inferno and the whole thing with Karen is still fucking with Peter's head? Like he sees the Lower brother in his wolf form. He's like, um, not a wolf. It's like, and then he, and some part of me is like, no, that no, that wasn't. This figure, and he's like, imagine the shit you've seen. Like that, that could be a wolf. Like you, you saw demons and and evil clones with acidic touch. Like is a wolf really that crazy? And I'm like, yeah, it's New York. The coloring on that digital version is definitely a lot brighter than my comic book, which is from the, you know, from 1989. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we go through, man, it is a, also a dialogue heavy issue with the judge dishing out the, uh, you know, the, uh, your, you withheld evidence and people were killed and blah, blah, blah. Again, this is all so dumb. Considering that, like, oh, say, so Tombstone's also in prison. We never really got to see the trial of Tombstone. Um, but Tombstone's running around the Marvel Universe right now, you know? And, and him and Joe mm-hmm. had kind of a buddy buddy moment because they're both parents of idiot children. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, you know, but again, I think it always matters. Jesus, and Joey about- points out to Tombstone, your daughter's just like you, Lonnie, a criminal, a scumbag. He's like, no, you idiot. I never wanted this for her. I wanted her to be a lawyer. And she became a lawyer, but then she also became the Beatle, too. <laughs> yeah, right. And I, I think it's always so amusing. You have that whole thing where, like, Robbie Robertson tries to raise his son, right? But his son ended up becoming the rocket racer, you know, at, no. at some point. No. Oh, am, I, am, am, am I wrong? Yes, you're wrong. Different okay. black character altogether. Robbie, uh, uh, Randy, as far as I'm aware, Randy never died or become a supervillain or hero of any kind. He's My just bad. been a side character and always been like a college friend of Peter Parker's because that's where he was introduced when Peter was in college. You know, you're totally right. I got him mixed up with another character. I just uh, see this is where my brain is. Um, but I still again, I think that's what I love about Nick Spencer's run that you've just had these impossible odds again. And you just knew the second Robertson 
and 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 Tombstone's daughter kissed or got together, you're like you knew that when those parents found out, it was going to be hell on earth, and it was, and it was hilarious. Absolutely. And uh, I do love they go through like the whole process of what happens when you go to prison. Uh, I don't think he is. It's funny that he is rolled up in a in a what looks like a limo car, not a bus. You know, he's not arraigned and put on a transport with other criminals. That's kind of strange. Uh, he's getting like the uh, for a guy who's going to jail for three years, he's getting a loyal treatment. <laughs> yeah, let's say a little further, Leo. But um, yeah, it's it's yeah. Right look at that like, stop, stop, right, there, right there, the blue car. Yeah, yeah. And, like. Aren't you usually put on a prison transport bus? I, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I, and again, like my only understanding of that is usually how like Shawshank Redemption or other prison movies. Yeah, you'd be in a van with other prisoners, chain, you know, uh, handcuffed and chained together to walk. But he's just getting the, the private limo service. It's like, I hope he tipped his guy good, you know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> he, he, you know. Maybe it's supposed to be a black car, but it's a blue car. He takes his yeah. shower. He gets his, uh, you know, his stuff. Um, I don't ever understand the age of like older characters and how they age because Joe has had white hair since Amazing Spider-Man number 50, 50 or fifty-one. I think. I think his first appearance is like the same first appearance as the Kingpin. No joke. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and he's always had like white hair, so it's like he's eternally the same age, like Jonah Jameson, where his Aunt May fluctuates in age. Sometimes she looks like a mummy. Nowadays, she just kind of looks like you know a woman in her sixties. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's really amusing that you just older characters somehow stay the same age. Like right. again, I, I think Aunt May has been like seventy for like fifty, sixty years now, and it's it's just so amusing. And you have like the same thing with Jonah. Like that mustache has stayed the same this whole time. Like you know, he's never never grew a beard. Everything. It's just bam. Never saw him shave it. It's just somehow it's 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 uh, white trashy like that. Yeah, it's just so amusing. But I think the best part is that no matter what, that this rivalry between Robertson and Tombstone has stayed intact throughout all of the characters' history. And Well, no, that's the thing. After the upcoming events of the issues we will get to, mm-hmm. there is no Joe Robertson, Tombstone, Vendetta against each other until just recently. It's like Nick Spencer oh, wow. was the first writer in, what, 1989? So, what, 31 years now? Mm-hmm. 32, 31 years? 30, 32 years? That said, oh, by the way, Joe yeah. Robertson and Tombstone have a rivalry. Nobody's written about that since then. And I'm not even joking. And I think I've read every single Tombstone story out there and Joe Robertson story. Mm-hmm. So they're Spider-Man characters. They're not Captain America right. characters. I swear to God, no one else has written them. I mean, Tombstone eventually comes back and he goes after Flash Thompson and he becomes a thug and he's in other books and blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. it, it's like nobody wrote this story until Nick Spencer came on the book to, to put their kids together. So I, I don't know what to tell you. Giant to be continued at the very end. And then we have the next issue. Robbie learns that Tombstone won't be his only problem in prison. And Gloria Blant learns the truth about her new boyfriend, Eduardo Lobo. And he's not going to let her live to tell anyone about it because they get into some you know, bestiality stuff. I guess she's already into bestiality since she's already fucking them. So, yeah, that that that, that towel drop very much to me was was hinting at like halfway through coitus. She's like, "Can you turn into the wolf for me?" <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I think I think the same thing we probably wondered about uh, uh, about Betty Ban- um, 
But, uh, uh, Thunderbolt Ross's daughter and Bruce. It was like halfway. It was like, could you get really mad? Could you Hulk out with me? Yeah. Could you? Could you? You're not. It's not filling me up enough. Can you turn into? Oh the- my god. <laughs> Oh no! Uh, and then also oh, the chameleon, uh, the chameleon hires Hammerhead and plots his uh, first move to become the new com- crime lord of New York. So we'll be covering that issue because it does tie into the giant Eduardo Lobo thing, but not next week. And then uh, issue one sixteen, Venom is black. Ah, yay, Venom! Uh, mm-hmm. Ads in the issue on the back we have the uh, Schwinn Pro BMX racing racing ad, which is very hilarious. That was on the back of a lot of comic books. Um, the Nintendo handheld games, which were mm-hmm. hilarious at the time, considering mm-hmm. Game Boy was around. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Elway's quarterback ad, a one-time offer for Marvel addicts by Stan Lee. Uh, how to draw comics the Marvel way VHS tape and the Pride of the X Men VHS tape, which were a constant ad. Seeing uh, Stan holding them up, I didn't realize there was a video for that, but you can watch it on YouTube. I, I I don't know about you guys, but I that's what I love about reading old comics. Like you see ads for things that like I remember I was reading uh, Spider Man twenty ninety nine. There's just yeah. a, an ad for Aladdin, and I'm just like, what? How yeah. dated is this? Uh, comic book conventions. I want to point out nothing. I really give a crap about that's not happening here in New England. One in particular, Worcester, Massachusetts, on the twelfth has the Sheraton Hotel uh as a comic-con oh wow that nice. is uh not in worcester by the way the sheridan mm. hotel as far as i was aware was always in framingham unless it moved from worcester to framingham could that be the case yeah, it's been a while so chances are yeah this is from 1989 but also january 29th boston massachusetts 57 plaza hotel uh another comic-con which is funny because that's actually where the boston comic-con did happen at one point mm-hmm. the current modern day boston comic-con I don't know what's happening with Fan Expo. I haven't heard a single announcement out of them. So I don't even know if they were still around as a company. But Rhode Island Comic Con has been blowing it up every five minutes with new, uh, uh, you know, with uh, things coming out for people uh, and stuff. There's also an ad in here for New England Comics, uh, which is in Brockton, Massachusetts. So we got a lot of Massachusetts ads in this issue. Nice. (laughs) Relevant considering we all seem to live in New England. Yeah. Uh, the bullpen bulletins for this is for Mark Siri. He's an assistant editor on Daredevil, Fantastic Four, Thor, and Captain America. And as they say, about 60 other titles. Damn. Dude is working. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I always love these bulletin bulletins thing. There should be an entire podcast. You just take a random bulletin bulletin and read about it on the podcast. That would make it for a really fascinating podcast. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that that's the sometimes the best thing is those old fan letters because I feel like these days people only want to print no, no, like no, no, no. this isn't fan letter. This is the bullpen bulletins. Well, no, I, I I agree with that, but I also feel like I would love to see something where people read like like fan letters. Like I used to when I used to read Spawn, like I used to read like the fan letters and they had no problem printing when people are like, Yeah, this book sucks. Like go to hell, literally. And, you know, Todd would be like, okay, thanks for the suggestion. You, 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 you know, have a good day. I'm going to make millions. Right. Definitely, you know? definitely. But the Marvel bulletins, absolutely. Like, they had some great stuff back in the day. Especially, they had a lot of really good editors kind of overseeing it, if I'm correct, right? It wasn't just, like, I remember Stan's soapbox. Yep, yep. But... That, that, that came back years later when uh, Marvel was in trouble. Mm-hmm. That had gone away for a while because uh, Stan hadn't left Marvel, but he was working on behind-the-scenes stuff. You know what I mean? He was doing a lot of the TV movie stuff that... You know, which didn't really come to fruition, unfortunately, until many, you know, until 2000 and uh, 1998's Blade, 2000 X-Men and Spider-Man, 2002. 
But, uh, you know, Stan's hard work did pay off. It just not in all the best ways. Yeah, well, it didn't stop him from being on the jury in The Incredible Hulk. So still, he still got his sweet cameo. <laughs> right. So. Someone said that he, he has no appearance in the Captain America movie from 1990. And I'm just like, I don't think he wanted to have an appearance in that movie. <laughs> After everything we heard, of, I think when, when Catherine was talking to us last time yes. about that, when she was just going in, that was so, like, what was with the designer, right? But he was like, yeah, I was a designer for that. I, I really wish I wasn't. And she was like, yeah, I get it. There's also, just... a, 900, there's also a 900 add in here. Uh, 1-900-321-3478. Everyone listening right now, call 1-900-321-3478. No, don't call. And play <laughs> The World of Fist. Oh, jeez. Well, <laughs> it's an RPG fantasy game ad. <laughs> on, on that note... <laughs> Right now. No, I'm not. I no. was just trying to remember the number. This is this, this is not another eight six seven five three zero nine thing. Okay, that's just... actually very funny considering an off-air conversation between uh, Leo and I about a co-host and uh, a very uncomfortable situation put into by Michael Raven Shadow when my co-host went into some uh, sex education that she happens to teach. <laughs> Oh boy, yeah, that banana goes real far. Yeah. Um, uh, we, uh, also, uh, also, the uh, by the way, you could get 13 issues of Marvel Comics, any comic book of their main titles, for eight dollars and twenty-five cents. I wish. <laughs> I think eight dollars will get you two issues of Spider-Man today. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. I, uh, well, we got. What we have here on this spectacular Spider-Man podcast covering uh, issue 150. Do you have any other comments, Drew, before we go? No, this was a great read, as always. Gotta love Sal and Jerry. They're doing great stuff. Can't wait to read more. And um, you keep on web-slinging, kids. Yeah, we got uh, we got a slow burn. Only a couple, like, you know, dipping into another book here and there for the next several issues until we get to Acts of Vengeance, which I think we're going to start in time for the Loki show, which Sweet. is perfect timing because Acts of Vengeance is a Loki, you know, is Loki's the mastermind behind that. True story. Yep. So uh, check us out on. Are we on the Dorkening website yet, Leo? Uh, you're on the new version. I just need to switch to DNS and update a couple things. So you are on, right. are on we the on new iTunes website. Yet either, by the way, someone asked, where are you? Are you on iTunes? I did, said no. Uh, did you? You need to go into the podcast portal and add yourself. Amazon and Google Play, and, a, and I think we're on Stitcher as well, but you can also send me a direct email at thatradiohar at gmail.com. And the other comic book podcast I do, Goth Girl Horror, the Hack Slash podcast, has a new episode this Friday with me and Charcy covering Hatchet Slash, which is the crossover with Victor Crowley uh, from the Hatchet Sweet. films. Sweet. number three. Yes, it's a lot of fun. And for other comic book hijinks, go to Kickstarter and help fund the Vlada audiobook Kickstarter. Uh, it's been kind of a roller coaster on this one. Um, don't know why. I understand audiobooks aren't for everybody, but this is read by a fantastic New England actress who directed me in a movie last week, Diana Porter. Very cool. cool. And uh, yeah, uh, what about you, Drew? Uh, Drew, real quick before. Uh, Bye, yeah, uh, everybody. See you in two weeks. Catch you guys later. And.